Hey everyone, this December 15th and 16th, I'm gonna be in Chattanooga, Tennessee at the Indoor Climbing Expo. Use the code Mario20 to get a discount. A portion of the proceeds go to GCI to get us back to Malawi, Africa, so we can continue doing some mentorship there. I hope you enjoy this episode, and I hope to see you this December 15th and 16th at the Indoor Climbing Expo. Friends and enemies, lovers and haters, welcome to Sends and Suffers podcast. I am your host, Mario Stanley. If you haven't already, please follow, like, and subscribe to Sends and Suffers podcast. Every bit counts, and we would love to hear from you. So take a moment to leave a comment. These go a long way and help others know what they're getting into and how good this show is. If this is one of your favorite podcasts, consider becoming a Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you are investing in Sense and Suffers podcast, and it's like buying your boy a taco, hanging out, and getting to know the good good that is coming your way. Monthly recaps, early show releases, and all the other cool things that we do. Thank you so much for listening to Sense and Suffers podcast. Organic Climbing is the official sponsor of Sends and Suffers podcast. And if you didn't know, now you know. I have been using this company's products since before my podcast, since I basically started rock climbing. They're cool, they're rad, they're customizable. You can get bouldering pads, chalk buckets, backpacks. They've got shoes, they've got almost anything you can conceive to make you look fly, to make you functional at the crag. Check out Organic Climbing. Put in Sends and Suffers at your purchase. It helps this podcast out and really support someone who has been supporting the conception of climbing communities since the beginning. Josh and everyone at Organic is all about making sure communities grow. And that is a huge thing coming from a small company that moves massive, massive mountains. So check out Organic Climbing. Tell them I sent you. Let's get into this episode. Hello, friends and enemies and lovers and haters. So today's episode is with Taylor Fragamini, and she was just on, but she was in Dallas doing a layover, and I can't help myself. I asked her if she wanted to get on the mic, and we chat. We talk about coaching, about life, about Thanksgiving, family, and just where we are in our own climbing and where we are professionally. I hope you enjoy this episode please check her out online, Tangent Climbing. She's a great coach providing services to youth athletes and adults. That's my plug. That's my pitch for her. I hope I see you guys in Chattanooga, Tennessee, December 15th and 16th. And other than that, stay beautiful, everyone. How was Thanksgiving? It was good. I mean, I hadn't been on the beach in... I think since like probably 2015. 
I guess, yeah, you're pretty much a crag hoe. So you're only <laughs> at the crag. That's the only place you live. You're like, water? What do I do with this if I'm what not is, drinking what it? What is ocean? Oh, my God. Ooh, what is this stuff between my toes? <laughs> no, I love it. I was, we got there and I was like, we immediately went down to the beach and I was like squealing because I was so psyched. Squealing? <laughs> yeah. What do you sound like there when you these... squeal? <laughs> I can't reenact it. It has to be genuine in the moment. Oh, it has to be a genuine <laughs> Are you a snorter if you laugh too hard? No. Oh, you seem like a snorter. <laughs> no. All right, I mean, I, it has happened before, but it's not. It's very rare occurrence. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. There are these cute little birds that were just like running around on their little tiny legs, poking out the sand every time the wave would Why go back out. Why do they have that tiny legs? Birds can't do leg day. Why are you being discriminatory I towards birds? I didn't say it was a bad thing. They were cute. Okay. They look like little cartoons. They're like all fluffy and poofy, and then they'd like run around in the sand. Like their legs are moving so fast, you can't even see them. Uh, that's funny. And then they're just, they've got their long little beaks. Oh, uh, yeah. So I got excited about that. That was why I was like, ah! <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, that's the squeal? No, I can't. It was way. My sister was like, "Have you been outside before?" <laughs> <laughs> Every day. Every day. It's my it's life. Like yes, if you didn't but know that. I haven't been to the beach in a very long time, and there are different animals here. <laughs> That's fair. Um, um, there are dolphins. Yeah, like, all sorts of cool stuff. And where are you headed to now? Back to Montana. So just the opposite of the beach. <laughs> so you'll squeal when you see mooses or something. Is that, do you have mooses or is it elks out there? We do have moose and elk. Um, but I think I've seen them enough times. They don't really warrant the, the squeal anymore. Your mug. Did you strategically turn it so the sticker was facing the camera? <laughs> uh, probably inadvertently. Out of habit. Yeah. Okay, on point with branding. On point with branding. Not until, but, you know, pretty soon new stickers will be out. Yes. New design. I have one of those and I haven't even put it on anything yet because I'm what like, the I don't. Flying fuck? Well, because I was like, you know, when you have like a sticker you like and you're like, I don't know where to put this because. I will give you extras. Okay, cool. <laughs> nice, nice. Great. Sounds good. So, okay. So let's uh, let's go ahead and quickly reintroduce yourself because I'm sure everyone knows who you are because you're famous. Oh, my and, God. And, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, be, don't be so modest, girl. <laughs> um, but who are you? Where are you from? And what is your connection to the outdoors? Um, do you want me to say my whole name? You can say whatever. You can call yourself bad bitch from this point on. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> Act like Katy Perry and Tyler Swift having bad blood. I don't give a fuck. Long as we don't have bad blood, you can say whatever you want, girl. <laughs> okay. It feels it's so weird to like. I never feel like I say my full name to anyone. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, I just say mine because my website my website says my full name. <laughs> I'm overthinking this. <laughs> you probably you definitely are. I mean, I'm just letting you run with it. <laughs> okay, my name is Taylor, and I grew up in upstate New York. Moved to Southwest Montana when I was 18 and lived there for eight or nine years. Moved down to the desert for a couple years for some rock climbing. Moved back to Montana about a year ago now. Um, connection to the outdoors. 
I started rock climbing when I was like near the end of my senior year in high school and just was immediately hooked, which was funny because I'd already decided I was going to MSU in Bozeman because I was really into skiing at the time. And Mm -hmm. then luckily there's also climbing around there (laughs) and I skied less and less every year and climbed more and more. And then lo and behold, now it's my pastime. It's my job. All of the, all of the things. Tell me how you really feel about that. (laughs) You're like, it's my pastime. It's my life. It's all I do. No, I, it's not all I do. <laughs> I have other interests, but like what? Um, really, a lot of things. I am kind of a little bit of a nerd. Like I'm the person in the friend group that's gonna like Google things when we're like, I wonder what that is. Okay. I'm like, You're the researcher. I gotta know. Yeah, I'm the researcher. All right. when um, you, when you say nerd, or do you find yourself like, are you like? Like nerd, like I want to understand quantum entanglement nerd. Or are we like nerd, like I like sci-fi nerd. Or are we like, like come on, like because I'm sci-fi nerd. That's just what I am. like I can quote episodes of Star Trek. Really? Like, oh yeah. I like I watched I've watched TNG, TOS, uh, DS9 multiple times. I don't know what any of that means. Yeah. Everyone, everyone who's a dork. But that's great. Everyone, yeah, yeah. Everyone who's a dork knows exactly what I said. Yes. And I've watched all of them multiple seasons and anyone knows it's like it's like eight to ten seasons in every one of those things that I just said. Wow. Yeah. I have nothing else to do with my life. I just rock climb and watch sci-fi and pretend that I know how to cook. Well, I know how to cook pretty I feel well. like you know how to cook. I mean, I know how to cook Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what I do. Cook food, watch sci-fi, and then figure out how to rock yeah. climb and not get fat. Great. Yeah. But this is not about me. This is about you. <laughs> I'm shutting up. Um, I also enjoy cooking. I've been trying to get more into it again. I kind of like, when I first started eating plant-based, I got super into cooking. And then the last few years, I think I just had like a lot of shit going on. And I was like didn't feel like I had the bandwidth for it as much. Yeah. It takes space. It does. Yeah. It does. I think that's the one thing I like about cooking. It's like almost like gardening, like especially if you're really going to cook yourself like good meals and Mm -hmm. things like that and explore other cultures of food. Like I'll have to show you. You got to do it right. uh, Have you ever heard of the Netflix series high on the hog? No, you should definitely watch it out or watch it. Um, I have the cookbook for it and I'll show it to you, but they have a really good like vegan vegetarian Mm. because they have like other cultures from around the world. But like, just like acquiring all the spices and acquiring like, like sometimes like it's really not that hard to cook it, but like the techniques are just like a hair different mm-hmm. and you just like have to pay attention to detail. Totally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, what else? I like playing music a lot. I was wondering when you're going to drop that. You're like, you know, the next <laughs> Fiona Apple coming up. <laughs> um, one of my good friends in Bozeman actually has a degree in sound engineering, which is sweet. Um, so we are trying to like record some of my stuff, which is fun. Oh, nice. Uh, who knows when that'll all be wrapped up, but it's kind of exciting to be doing that. I kind of always thought it would be a thing that like, maybe I'd get back into it when I feel felt like I was kind of like on the waning end of my climbing 
But then I was like, this is actually mm. really sick. Also, music is just such a, to me, it's such a good like vehicle for processing emotions and stuff. And I think I'm someone that just has like really big feelings generally. And so a lot of the time, just like words don't really do it. Um, so yeah, I've done a lot of songwriting the last couple of years, which has been really fun. And any, anything we should, uh, anytime we can look out for the album to drop. Oh, I have no idea when <laughs> I'll your, keep you posted. <laughs> what's your, what's the title of your favorite song that you've written? And okay. Not favorite. I hate that word sometimes because favorite is <laughs> choose just, a favorite child. <laughs> yeah. It's just so loose. Like, you know what I mean? It is. It's yeah. Like, it is. So like, it'd depend on the day that you asked me probably. What song have you written? What is the title of the song that you've written that holds weight and holds space in your heart right now? That's hard to answer too, because they all do. They do, but like most recently, even if it's something that's happened or something, whatever you connect, but like which one holds space Mm -hmm. for you and why? Okay. I have one that is kind of like partially written that who knows if it'll become full fledged and be on whatever little EP that we make. I think it would be cool to have it on there, but um, I started going back to therapy and a few months ago now. And after like one particular session, so like August of a few years ago, I was like really, really depressed, like the most depressed I've ever been in my life. I remember you and I talked a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when I guess it was just a couple years ago, cause when this August rolled around, I felt like I was thinking about it a lot. I definitely felt like a lot of you know, it's like the same, the same like season of the year comes up and like the feelings come back up with it kind of. And I sat down after a, a therapy session and one day and um, we have a piano at the house. So I was playing the piano and I like wrote a little like partial song just immediately. And that's how it goes. A lot of the time I'll like sit down, I'll start playing some chords and then I'll just like sing over them and just let whatever comes out, come out. Um, and then that night I was laying in bed and I couldn't sleep and I was like, oh, I'll just like listen back at this. See if, uh, why not? You know? Um, <clears throat> and I was listening back at it and not really at the time that I was like coming up with it. I wasn't really thinking like, this is what this means. And listening back to it. I realized like this song kind of feels like it's it's a conversation between like myself and my depression. And I just like started crying (laughs) and I cried for like a good hour, just like so hard, which was such a good, like emotional release. And I, I was like, damn, how crazy is that? That like you can sit down and write this little, little piece of music and, not fully understanding like how I was feeling at that point and then go back to it and be like, Oh, I can tell I'm like scared as hell of ever feeling that way again. And it's coming up cause it's the same time of year. And yeah, it was, it was wild. My therapist that day was like, he's like, I don't think that you need to be as scared of it as you are because 
you have so many more like tools and things now that it'll never be that bad again. And I was like, oh, but what if it is? <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, yeah. what ifs? If you worry about what ifs, then you're going to worry about I know, about right? Everything. You just can't, yeah. you can't like go down that path. It's, but. it's interesting you say that because Rick Rubin was having, I don't know if it was with Pharrell Williams or someone else, but he has this conversation and it's something that I've done and this is really silly. But I have like two luchadore masses, and I don't know if I've ever even told you this about this before. Mm. But I have two luchadore luchadore masses. Is one is all gold. It's called Ulta Ego and Ultra uh-huh. Ego, uh-huh. and the other one I haven't really come up with the name of it. But at a point where I was like really having a hard time and really suffering with some depression as well, I and it took me a while to understand that I was depressed. Because I kind of grew up in this black culture of like black people don't get depressed. Our life is hard, motherfucker. That's what it is. We yeah. out here. We just out here. And, you know, and I was like, well, black people can't be depressed. And that's absolute bullshit. But I remember just wearing these masses and I just finally just stopped taking myself so seriously. And I put on the alter ego and I said everything out loud that my anti self, my alter ego was saying about like what I should be doing, where I should be going, what's going on, other things about people, negative things. And then I put on this other mask um, and then I said like it was the counter it was the version of myself that i want to be the mm-hmm. best better version of me and then and then me and myself and i took both both of them and i looked and i was like writing notes down about what i was saying but then i was like mediating the conversation between myself and mm. between these two people and i'm like listen like all, all three of us i got to be in the room like we we can't get out of the room so like we're all going to be here so like how do we all get along yeah and that's sometimes a lot harder than I think people give it credit to like getting along with yourself is like very hard. Like we talked about it it's last tough. night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we talked about life, like me, like visual clutter is something that like I've only discovered now in my later in my, you know, early late stage of my life, I guess. Early you know? late stage. Early late stage at the ripe age of 40. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that I've realized that like, there's all these little things that help me, but getting back to that. Um, yeah, no, it's like, sometimes you have to have those conversations with yourself. I hope you, the stationaries I gave you, I hope you have an opportunity to yeah. write yourself some letters. Like it's like weird. It. Like, like oh, the thing I read to you last night, like I was like, <laughs> man, this is actually really spot on. Pretty poignant for the conversation we were just yeah, having. And, and that letter was what, two years old? Yeah. <laughs> and I hadn't opened it. <laughs> You know, and I was just like, wow, okay, talk about like hitting me on. And but it also like hits the chords, like, man, if that's still spot on and it's two years old, it means one of, in my mind, it means one of three things. I'm doing the good work that I should be doing. Maybe I'm still a little bit stagnant, Mm -hmm. or maybe it's time to sit down and reevaluate my goals and reevaluate what's going on. And currently, right now, I, I think it's like, I think I'm better off than when I wrote that letter because it brought me back to writing that letter in New Orleans. So yeah. it was uh it was definitely it was definitely a different time in my life. Um I would like to shift gears real quick because yeah. I want to talk about your cool hoodie that you have on. My full tie-dye outfit. Nice, nice. I, I was admiring that <laughs> when I saw you last night when I picked you up, I was like, this is classic. <laughs> Dirtbagger chic classic. <laughs> I never wear it like in public ever really. This is like basically what I wear like when I get home at the end of the day. I'm like, I'm putting my full tie-dye outfit on, but 
I just was traveling all day yesterday, so I was like, you know what? I feel like pajamas. Human, it is. <laughs> I feel like we lost it because we. I feel like in the '80s, it was like perpetually living in sweatpants was yeah. like the vibe, and then we almost got back into it, but fitness culture takes it too far. <laughs> yeah. And now I want to just perpetually live in sweats. Is what I would like to do. It's so comfy. But life is, is hard enough. Let's just be comfy. <laughs> but uh, what is tangent climbing? Tangent climbing is my coaching business. Um, I've been doing it for a few years now, which is kind of crazy because I still feel like I'm figuring a lot of things out. I think that's called being a small business yeah. owner. <laughs> really? Okay, cool. Yeah, Great. I think that's part of the that course. That makes me feel better. I'm like, I guess it's my business. Yeah. Um, still What's, doing it. <laughs> yeah. What services do you provide? Um, a whole myriad of things, really. Top, but top three. right now, top three. Right now, I. I'm doing some movement coaching and um, I do I do some like custom plans, mostly for route setters. Um, I don't think there's there's not like tons of coaches out there that do remote training that have a lot of experience route setting. And so I think that's definitely like a little gap that can be filled. Mm -hmm. Um, Plus, it's fun. Uh, And then. I what I'm spending most of my time doing right now is working with competitive youth athletes on mental games specifically, mm-hmm. which has been super fun. Um, I kind of when I stopped youth coaching when I moved down to the desert a few years ago, I was I was like, oh, this is getting too intense. I'm out. Um, and then just in the last year, year and a half, I've kind of like dipped my toes back into that space, and it's been so fun and kids are awesome yeah they are yeah they are awesome people don't give them enough credit no there are <laughs> like i think most people underestimate the emotional intelligence bandwidth and fortitude and resilience of children and it's For like real? they think that they like just like i say this all the time to kids like when i'm coaching them i'm like listen just because you don't know how to describe what you feel does not mean you don't understand what you feel like you understand it very viscerally, probably more so than Absolutely. most adults do. Yeah. Like, cause we can, we just bury it behind logic mm-hmm. and you're just like, this is where I am. Right now. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Going full super saiyan on someone. Totally. Yeah. So, okay. So, co- so custom plans, um, training programs for youth athletes and movement. So those are yeah. the big topics. And mm-hmm. where would you like to see your business take you in the next like year? Oh, let's say like a couple years, okay. like five years down the road, like just dream big. Um, I think the thing that I feel most passionate about right now is that I, f- I don't know whether you feel this way too, because you've also been in this youth climbing scene for way longer than I have, <laughs> but I feel like it's gotten over the last like five or six years, it feels like it's gotten more and more intense, um, competitively, like there's I think this huge gap between how competitive it's gotten and how uh, equipped everyone is to Mm. help kids deal with the mental aspects of that. And I think Mm -hmm. there's so much benefit to youth sports and participation in youth sports. And um, I think in a lot of cases, I've just watched a lot of kids like burn out or they just like can't handle the pressure. The coaches don't know. And the parents, like all the, all the adults in their lives are like, I don't know how to help them 
deal with this. And, mm. um, and it's hard. It takes a lot of like, no, it, does. it takes a lot of nuance and understanding of how the adolescent brain works and understanding of like individuals and how they're experiencing it and relationship building with athletes and just, uh, I would love to do what I can to help bolster that part of the climbing culture. I think mm -hmm. we undervalue the, the mental game so much in climbing, I think. And most of the time it's way more important. I think, especially for the youth athletes, like they're going through puberty, they're putting on loads of muscle, like they're strong as hell, but if they can't go out there and perform in high pressure situations, then they just crumble. You know, it doesn't matter how strong you are. If you can't, be mentally strong on top of it yeah. um yeah and so a lot of ways i feel like the mental game is more important but culturally i think we emphasize the physical aspects a lot more i mean even in subtle ways yeah i mean it's like what we were talking about last night physical mm -hmm. dollars are cheap mental yeah. dollars are that i think you know it's funny you say that i think i i would agree with you well wholeheartedly i mm -hmm. think also too my career has also been focused on finding those athletes and identifying them and recruiting yeah. them to the elite level team. And I have focused on really where I think the biggest gap is in two areas is the recreational level climber. Mm -hmm. I think we have more recreational because climbing is going the way of gymnastics. Basically like gymnastics is so specialized. You mm -hmm. have people who do different floor routines. You have people who do this. Some people do all arounds. So that's not often, but you, you, you have these specialized, everybody does everything, but they shine in one particular area. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that's the way that climbing is just moving forward as an indoor sport. Yeah. With that being said, I think one of the things that people are forgetting about is they're either focusing on all the high end athletes and just forgetting about the kid who like, you know, it's like, yeah, people might disagree with what I'm about to say, but I think there will be more mediocre athletes that will climb V14, V16, then there will be more high end world-class athletes that will climb. Like they, there will be more of these intermediate recreational level athletes climbing hard grades and establishing hard routes and creating better climbing and creating a better climbing culture, then there are going to be kids at the very, very top of the team. Mm -hmm. Cause like the people, the people at the top, the cream at the top of the cream at the top of the corn, like mm -hmm. that's like, that's, it was so small in view. And like, yeah. and so I think everybody focuses on that. And I think they're, we're forgetting these kids in the middle. And I think the yeah. kids in the bulk in the middle are even more important for the support structure of those high-end athletes because they're their friends, mm -hmm. not just their fans. They're their support structure. They're their family. They're their community. And having that is really challenging. I've worked with an athlete once before, once remote, and they don't have a support structure in the community. They're just nailed strong because their parents are strong and they climb all the time. But like the parents are like, I don't really know what to do. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, sometimes it just sucks. And yeah. like, you want friends. And sometimes like being a kid is important. And like, if everything you do is at the top of the cream, like, like, what are you, what are we doing? Yeah. And so I think that's like the biggest thing that I see as something that's very, it's, it's, it's a low hanging fruit that everybody is just passing by because everybody wants the thing at the top of the tree. I think the next thing, and you and I have had this conversation and this is a conversation that gets said a lot. And <laughs> I've been wanting to hopefully one day talk about this at CWA. Uh, and I'd love to talk about with you about this. And I want to open it up as a panel, just like it's a, a talk to kind of gather information. And then maybe in like a year or two later, come back with like a, maybe a, ro a suggested roadmap. Mm -hmm. But 
there the level of career coaches is next to nothing mm -hmm. in America. Like there's not like unless you own the there's gym. There's no infrastructure. For yeah, it. there's none. Yeah. And it's like for the most part, like coaches making a living, raising families, like doing this stuff. Like you you have football coaches who do it. You have soccer coaches, gymnastic coaches, you have all these people. And I get swimming coaches who do it full time living, mm -hmm. club sports and in recreational high school. But it doesn't exist for climbing. It's always yeah. teenagers teaching teenagers. Or it's the one teenager who went to college, did like five months of kinesiology, and mm -hmm. then then got you know a degree in underwater basket weaving with philosophy, and now <laughs> is coaching the team. And they're either one of three things. They're like, I'm just a purist in the outside. I want to climb outside all the time. My kids are going to be the greatest outdoor climber. We're not going to worry about competitions too much because we're going to do comps, but mm -hmm. like, we're not going to worry about them. Or they are like, we're going to win. We're focusing on comps. We're all the time. This is what we're doing. Or they're like, no, oh, we're just here to have fun. And mm -hmm. I think you need all three, but it's a good blend. And I think the problem is, is too many. And this is what I find. Too many coaches put their personal fears and expectations on their team. Like if you don't like, listen, if a kid loses and they're crying at a comp, it is not you losing. It right. is not that your job is to your job is to provide structure for where they ask to go. If yeah. they, if you know, I've met too many coaches and they know who, like, <laughs> they you, know if who you're they listening are. to this, you know who I'm talking about, <laughs> and I'm talking about you. Um, but like, too many people are like, well, you know, I just feel so bad when they lose or they get stomped on. I mean, you gotta get stomped on. Absolutely. A little bit. I say that constantly to the kids when they when they go to a comp and they're like having they had a really rough time mentally and they're just like, uh I'm just like, listen, we have handed you all these tools. You know how to how to handle this situation. You just gotta do it. And you have to go through it to get better at it. Can't go over it, can't go under, can't go around, can't go side. Like I worry more about the kids that are like at the top constantly because I'm like, ugh, you're gonna hit a point where yeah. you're going to get thrown into it and it's going to be hard. Like it's, it's good to have those days where it's tougher because then yeah, you get no. a chance to practice all the tools and be like, okay, this yeah. works. This doesn't. Then the next time it comes around, it's a little easier. And the next time it comes yeah. around, one it's of a the, little easier. <laughs> one of the things we talk about a lot when coaching is resetting, like just like, yeah, okay, let's totally. reset between attempts. I had to do that when I was climbing. Feel your feelings. Yeah. I, uh, I did this this weekend when I was climbing down South yeah. and, uh, <laughs> And I was just like, I had to reset between routes, even though the route wasn't that hard. The first route I did wasn't that hard. The move was just so delicate. Mm -hmm. Like you had to just go up to this like little two finger, like shallow, like little sharp pocket. And then you hit it and then you bump to a jug. And like, but like, if you don't drive enough, like you miss it. And I kept on, I was like, what is going on? And I just like, okay, hold on. Like, let's read the beta. Let's reset. And, you know, that's just like a coaching technique. But I think mm -hmm. ultimately, though, those are the two things that I'm most nervous about that. Like, yeah, I, I fear for the future of in this. Sport. I agree. And yeah. Then, I think like the autonomy of the athletes is so important, especially like kids get told what to do all day by other people. And mm -hmm. they need to like learn. It's it's hard for them to tap in, I think, to what it is they want out of the sport when there's all of these expectations from their adults that are mm -hmm. being put on them. And I don't think, I think teenagers especially, but kids in general get, they get so underestimated as far as like how observant they are and like what they're taking in, like the subtlest thing that you say can be interpreted as an expectation 
which is where it's like it's important to just have a good re- relationship with your athletes like you know build build the trust such that if you say something that is bothering them they can tell you i think that's really huge i always i always feel like if your athletes feel like they can push back against like things that you're saying or doing that's like a really really good sign i think 100 percent. yeah <laughs> so it's funny you say that because i pick on my athletes a little bit like uh-huh. you know standard play no bullying nothing mean but i pick on them mm-hmm. and one of the parents is like one of the kids snapped at me one day and i was like coach mario you better back up and i was like whoa <laughs> and the mom was like oh my god i was like no 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 it's cool that's good. I was like, yeah <laughs> and i was like it's cool and then she was like i just don't want him talking i was like i need him to know that like he can say whatever he wants to me or she can say whatever she wants is sometimes like one of the, one of our, my kids will walk up and she's like, coach Mario, you're a butthead today. And I'm like, my job is to be a butthead. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, do you understand why I'm being a butthead to you? And she's like, Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm like, do you like it that I'm being a butthead? She's like, no. I'm like, and before I can even say it out of my mouth, but I know it's good for me. So leave me alone. <laughs> And she like walks away. Yeah. And then she comes back and she's like, okay, what's the next thing I'm supposed to do? You know? Love and like, They need to be able to set those boundaries and yeah, have them and, respected. And, and, yeah. and I think people like shy against that. You yeah. know, it's like, I think like certain cultures, they go too far with it. And some cultures don't go far enough. And I think that's like upbringing. And when I say cultures, like culture is the wrong word. I think upbringings mm-hmm. or like family, a uh, child raising styles, however, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, but I think it, yeah, no, I think that is important. I, so that kind of segues into a question that I have for you. Mm-hmm. What is two or three pieces of advice that you, or two or three characteristics, advice, things that you would tell every athlete, you've told athletes over the time and you've told coaches. And so let's take the first one that you just mentioned, like having a relationship with a child or you're an athlete where they can push back against you. Mm-hmm. Like having that, uh, working on your relationship and your communication and having a healthy enough relationship with them where they can push back against you. I think that would be what I, you and I would both agree. I would say that is number one. Absolutely. For as a coach. Yeah. Number one. Like, like I'm working on this series called The, the Coach's Crux, mm-hmm. which I've told you about. Yeah. And so I think that's probably one of the top things on The Coach's Crux. Like if you as a coach do not have if you do not have a relationship with your athletes where they can push back to you, push back with you and talk with you within, with, within reason, mm-hmm. but like, it's not like they can be irrational and they can be rational with you and mm-hmm. they still trust you to have that conversation. I think that's number one. What is something yeah. else that you would say is number two? Um, I think coaches for coaches. Damn, you're really putting me on the spot here. I am. I am. I mean, it's it's 7 a.m. <laughs> in the morning. We got to get ready to take you to the airport here in a minute. So. Um, I think, you know, to kind of go back to another point you made earlier, the community aspect is really huge. I think doing what you can to build, you know, understand what it is that you want your athletes to get out of climbing, understand what they want to get out of it, mm. and then collectively come up with something that is like a framework that's going to inform decisions you make for the team over the long term, you know? So would you say that is um, just to kind of like shorten it up as like kind of a nugget for a coach to remember mm-hmm. is like, would you say is that, is that community building? Is that like team culture? Okay. Probably. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. That would be like the, the phrase I would use. But okay. And then what about for athletes? For athletes. Two um, of the most common things that you probably say the most. Everything you feel is valid. 
I think teenagers especially get told so frequently that they're being dramatic or irrational. It's like, no, you're just experiencing new complicated feelings for the first time in your life. Like, it's okay. Yeah. And I think um, there's just so much to learn constantly from it. Yeah, yeah, um, I would agree. But you have to like accept that it's all okay first. It's okay to feel all the things that you're feeling. And then we move through them and Agreed. learn from them. Because um, I think a lot of the time athletes, I hear a lot of talking about controlling emotions. And I try to help them make this language shift of like, let's not try to control our emotions. Because we don't really have direct control over what we're feeling. We have control over how we react to what we're feeling. And so, you know, we might use this phrase like respond instead of reacting. Mm, I tell the kids your feelings can be your servant or be your master all the time. Yeah. And, you know, your master means they're controlling you. Mm -hmm. Their servant means even though they are serving you, you are still asking for something to happen. Like it's it's not going to go your way. Like if I ask you to do something for me, you are serving me and you're doing that, but you're still going to do it in your own way. Mm-hmm. And so like, you don't have control over it. I like that. I yeah. like that. That's a much better description. Okay. Yeah. So you, you're feeling, feel your feelings. They're yeah. there for a reason. Um, And then I think like, just do what you can to like, know yourself. I think that's so huge in climbing, especially like the field of play is constantly changing. Adaptability is king as far as like the skills go. And if you can take every opportunity to get to know yourself better, you're going to have an easier time capitalizing on your strengths and working through your weaknesses because you know what they are and you know what works for you and what doesn't. And I think teens especially are in this position where they're just like full, full-fledged like forming <laughs> these yeah. personalities. I mean, kids in general are coming into themselves a lot, but I think like, there's there's this huge identity piece. Mm-hmm. I want to add some context to knowing yourself mm-hmm. because um, I think that's very important because I have kids that every week that come up, they're like, you know, I'm this today, I'm that, I'm mm-hmm. this, I'm this, and that. And I'm not saying that they're just choosing random things, but mm-hmm. they are exploring and trying to understand themselves and get to know themselves. But I think one some like context I want to add to that when I, and you can correct me, push back if you think I'm wrong when I say this, but when I, when we say know yourself, know that like you are constantly evolving and changing. What you're trying to figure out Mm -hmm. is what are your core values right now? Totally. What are your, what are your core values? What is your core morality streaks? Mm -hmm. What is the things that bring you joy? What are the things that upset you and know what these things are and they're not particular things as they are more of like cat, like a collage, mm-hmm. like a category you pick, like, like if you're going to make a collage, if you're going to make like a collage or a motif out of like a magazine cutting clippings, mm-hmm. you generally look for a bunch of the same things. They're all very different, but you're looking for the same thing of these, like this collage of things and understand that like these collages are probably going to change. Mm-hmm every six to 10 months totally as a kid and when you're an adult they change i feel like they change more like every two to three years you know i would i would say the exact same i feel like a totally different person every like two years yeah as every two to three years because every like i think by year three you're like "Ah, i'm finally over that yeah now this is yeah it's the it's the process of like of kind of doing that self-inquiry and just staying curious i think 
I probably could have said that instead. Like, stay curious. Yeah. Because that's yeah. such a big thing. Like, don't get too wrapped up in, like, what you quote-unquote should be doing. Should is a bad word. Should feel... I know, I hate should it. Should is a bad word. Don't shit on yourself. There's should no sh- is a bad there's word. There's no shitting here. No. Um. Yeah. No, just, I just wanted yeah. to add a little bit of framework to no, it. No, I like I that. Think it's yeah, like, that was good. I think it's important because I think when you, like, know yourself is such a big thing. It's like this big thing because yeah. you're like, myself. And it's not static. <laughs> no. Yeah. And it's like... I am the ocean, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, yeah, you feel like that. But so I think adding a little bit of like structure, a little context to it. So absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, What are you most excited to do in the next year? Because we have to wrap up so I can get you to the ah! airport on time. In the next um, year. Yeah. Oh, um, what are, okay, okay. What are two things that you're most excited about in your life? Climbing and non-climbing. Mm-hmm. One is not climb. One's climbing. One's non climbing. That you're trying to do, like I don't know, in the next two or three years. Okay. Um, I think. So you mean like my personal climbing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're here. We're, oh, I'm not going full Doctor Phil on you, but we're getting in here. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I think I had like a really crazy successful year in like 2020 climbing. Um. And I think since then, I've been really dialed. I I dialed into my weaknesses a lot. I'm not, strength is definitely not my strength. (laughs) Um, I'm much better like mentally and technically. Um, But it was, it's been interesting. I think the time I was in the desert when I was really dialing down and trying to get stronger, um, I feel like some of my other other things slipped a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like I think f- like more fitnessy climbing, more technical climbing comes more naturally to me. And I had this moment a couple of years ago when I, I was bouldering a lot, definitely was feeling a lot stronger. And then I went to 10 sleep and was climbing on some more like endurancey routes. And I was like, man, I'm still just way better at this. Like even with not even working on it, like give me a week. And I'm like, yeah, this feels more like what my body wants to do. And I keep joking that I feel like I worked myself into being like average at everything. And I'm like, I kind of want to work on shoring up my strengths again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I feel really excited about that. Um, I feel like now I'm in a mental space where I can push myself a little bit again. I had a couple years that were pretty tough where trying to rock climb hard just didn't feel like a thing that I wanted to do or had the energy for. Yeah. No, I Um, get that. I've I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm excited to kind of buckle down and try some harder things and see, see what I can do. Kind of check in. I don't really have expectations around it, but just kind of, you know, touch on some things and see, see where I'm at. So I know what I need to work on. Um, Personally, man, I do feel, I think, very excited about the music stuff. Okay. I, yeah, I'm excited to like record some more stuff with my friend and dive into that a little bit more. Um, yeah, I think it'd be cool. Okay. <laughs> well, hell yeah. Well, I want to keep talking to you, but I have I to get you the airport. So we gotta go. Yeah, no, we definitely gotta go. We'll do it again. Yeah, yeah. But uh and hopefully not just passing. You should come down and hang for a little yes. bit. Yes. 
Mikasa Sukasa, you're always Hill welcome. Climbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, have some routes that I'd like to put you on, so yes. you can be like, you can be like, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Or you can be like, all right, this is par. All right, just da da da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I love you. I think you're amazing. Oh, me too. I adore you. I think you're Aww. one of the most wonderful people in the whole world. Oh my god! And if anybody Stop. says otherwise, I will come for you. <laughs> all right, let's get out of here. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Taylor. Please, please definitely check it out. There is also a YouTube video of us chatting. So you've probably seen snippets on the social. Go check it out if you want to. Share, like, follow, subscribe. You guys are beautiful as always. And remember, if you're not suffering, was the Sen even worth it at all?